0: Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is great to see everybody. That was kind of a showstopper, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. Well, go ahead, take a minute, say hi to somebody. If you haven't said hi to them yet, give them a smile from across the way. Let them know you're glad to see them. We're glad to see you. Glad you're here. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you've chosen to spend this evening in the house of the Lord with us. I do want to tell you about a couple of things that are coming up this weekend that you'll be excited about. Gentlemen, we're praying at 9 o'clock Saturday morning, men's prayer in the A Center. We're looking forward to that. Please come. Young men, we want you there. Tell your parents we want to come and touch the throne room together and have some good fellowship as well. And then on Sunday after church, immediately, immediately following the service, we'll have our very first Move the Mission fundraiser. And it's going to be a cake auction which, I mean, that's just that's a win right there, isn't it? We do need your help. If you haven't already volunteered or been contacted, we'd like everyone who can to, to bring a baked good, something that's your specialty, a cake, a pie, cookies, something like that. I, I believe Brother Ben mentioned the cream puffs on Sunday. Uh, whatever it is, we want you to contribute, and then we're gonna just have an auction and auction all of that off, and every penny of it will go to Move the mission. If you need further details, just see Sister Tanya Coley, and she'll help you uh, in that regard and move you in the right direction. And then last, if you'll just make a note, if um, if you are graduating high school or college, uh, please contact the church office. We want we want to know about it. We want to honor you. Um, so if if you your your, your child, um, your your family uh, here in, in Grace Church are graduating, please let us know. Uh, so we can make plans accordingly. Why don't we stand together this evening before pastor comes to the pulpit and let's just invite the presence of God in. And I tell you what, if you have a need tonight, would you just make that known by the lifting of a hand? God sees and knows every heart, every need, every life, every situation. Let's just take these things to God tonight and pray for his favor. Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Ghost and power. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, you're doing some tremendous things around here. We're glad to be a part of it. And so tonight, God, we uh, obey the Scripture to enter into Your gates with thanksgiving, into Your courts with praise. Lord, we thank You for what You're doing. Thank You for Your blessings upon our lives, God, for Your favor. I pray for every need that's represented tonight, Lord. We there, there's needs. We need healing. We need touch we need financial miracles there's there's relationships that need a touch god every every need here tonight god i pray you would breathe life lord and that your hand would reach down and and you would minister do what you do so well we'll be careful to give you the praise in jesus name everybody say in jesus name amen, amen. you may be seated amen i'm going to turn the service over to pastor he's coming to minister the word would you just clap your hands as pastor comes to the pulpit god bless you grace church
1: it's great to see everybody tonight thank you so much for being here on wednesday night and uh, we're deeply deeply appreciate you coming deeply appreciate seeing you tonight what a great time we had here this past sunday uh just a tremendous tremendous service And uh, God moved in more than just a children's service. He moved uh, very manifestly here Sunday morning, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm I'm thankful that God cares about his people, Uh, from the oldest to the youngest, uh, everything in between. Um, May I say here tonight, uh, the the, the principle of it at least, uh, God counted hairs here today. Uh, or rather this past Sunday he, he dotted I's he crossed T's it was an amazing service and hopefully in the weeks and days ahead we'll be hearing more and more about that <clears throat> but I'm very grateful to see all of you here and uh, I would like to announce or, or just to mention uh, that we are excited about the cake auction this coming Sunday but uh, our priority first is the preaching of the word of God and our altar service. Those two priorities have to happen. If we can't take care of the mission right up here, it's, it's really not that profitable to take care of a mission somewhere else. And uh, so I'm gonna ask everybody to just hang on. Uh, the cream puffs, Lord willing, will be here. And there'll be a couple left over by the time I get over there. Uh, but we'll have a great time. We always do with the cake auction. And uh, it's a lot of fun. But we don't want to just rush over and and start bidding on things while there's altar stuff going on over here. So uh, please be cognizant of that, aware of that. We'd appreciate it so very much. And looking forward to a great time here this coming Sunday uh, to see what the Lord is going to do. I was commenting to someone just a few moments ago that it just really seems like this year uh, God has opened the windows of heaven at Grace Church. Uh, just experiencing a wonderful, wonderful uh, moving of God's presence, and the folks are responding to it. And uh, I think that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I, I want to go back to this past Sunday. There was just a smorgasbord, a number of things that went on here Sunday uh, with people, people's lives. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord just moved. Uh magnificently here Sunday. It was the perfect storm if you will uh, coming to pass for God to move in so many ways and I'm so very very thankful so very thankful for that. I want to read from the word of God tonight in Ephesians chapter 5 uh, verse 15. Uh, I want to present to you a a Bible study tonight uh, for you to certainly open your heart to, your mind to, for you to uh, consider. Before we do that, I actually read a headline today uh, in the news, big major headline that uh, our Dr. Fauci, y'all know who he is, Uh, the man kind of steering this whole pandemic thing, has now declared the United States done with it. I don't know how many of y'all saw that. but. Maybe we can finally put COVID to rest for a little while anyway, right? And uh, just kind of getting back to some degree of, of normal. And uh, so maybe we can keep transferring our, our, our fears to faith. And we made it through a big one. We made it through a big one, and I thank God for that. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Everybody say amen. Amen. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's interesting that he said to be wise in verse 15. In verse 17, he said, and be not unwise. So he said it both ways. So apparently he's trying to make a very significant point here. That would be uh, the writer Paul. One translation said it this way. Be careful how you live. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. Making the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. My title tonight is going to be very generic, I know. But there's three questions I want to propose to you in a few moments. And uh, you'll understand my title even though it is rather generic. I want to talk to you tonight about making the most out of your life. Making the most out of your life. How many hours have I wasted doing things that were less than eternal? How many times have I spent my day harboring fruitless resentments and even pursuing false hopes? We can be careful or we can be thoughtless. We can live as fools or we can live, we can be like the wise. There's nights when I climb into bed, literally, knowing that I've wasted a good part of that day, that I took my eye off the ball and really just threw away several hours of that day. I get the idea that we're all Christian enough to agree to do what God wants us to do. I get the idea that we're everybody here tonight is, is Christian enough to agree that we should do what God wants us to do, to live our lives according to his purpose. And to do that is wise. It's sensible. It's literally the ticket to happiness and fulfillment. We agree on that or at least we're open to the idea. So the question is, what does he god want what does god want what's his plan and why would it be any different sounding than the million religious do's and don'ts that we've heard all of our lives and that many of us have tried to escape in one way or another well i would like to study those those questions that presentation with you for a little while tonight so I'd like to put three very basic questions on the table for all of us to consider and then we'll gear up for some Bible study here tonight. There are three questions that God invites us to prayerfully consider as we look toward heaven. I don't want anybody to think here tonight that you're knowledgeable enough to know this, you're experienced enough to know this, I'm going to ask you to just take all of this at face value. And let's go through it together. Question number one What does God want? What does He want? When it comes to my life, when it comes to your life, what is it that God wants? Number two, whatever it is that God wants, what does it take to do it? What does it take? And number three, probably spend the least amount of time on this point, but to me it's the most compelling, is why should I do it? Why should I do whatever it is that God wants me to do? So let's let's jump into it tonight. Number one, what does God want? Let me proceed to suggest to you tonight, I don't plan to answer this question in its totality. I'll leave some of that up to you. But let's proceed tonight that all of us who are married, and most everybody in the room tonight is outside of our, our young people, but all of us who are married understand the idea that we want our spouse's attention and affection all to ourselves. I would not be happy if Sister Murph came in one night and said, I'm going out with another man tonight and have dinner with him." just got a little bit of a nudge here tonight that somebody's thinking you know I think that'd be a good idea for my marriage just get rid of that old bag for a while and we are if you're married we are all jealous in a good way in a holy way we don't want to be abandoned or betrayed or left To have our spouse leave us for another lover, but the plain reality is this: God wants me the same. God wants with me the same thing that I want with my spouse. He, he wants my whole life, not part of it. Wants all of it, just like your spouse wants of you. I know that because Sister Murph and I have done a lot of counseling through the years. And one of the top things we hear is my spouse is never at home. Usually, it's a husband. He's always working. He's never home. He's never around the kids. He's never around to do the things at the house, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't matter what they're doing, whether it's good or bad, they're just not home. So we are all jealous in a good and holy way. We don't want to be abandoned. We don't want to be betrayed. We don't want to be left for another lover. But The plain reality is this. God wants with me the same thing that I want with my spouse. He wants my whole life. Rick Warren said one time, there is not a single verse in the Bible, not one, that says you can be a Christian and and live your life any way you want to it's just not there, he said. God wants all of you. He doesn't want 10% of you. He doesn't want 50% of you. He doesn't want 99% of you. He wants all of you. And in our Pentecostal tradition and heritage, we have sometimes criticized others in the body of Christianity for being so soft on obedience for not upholding God's laws so we can be thankful for this strong affirmation that we as Grace Church people, Pentecostal people, in large part are to be, we all agree and understand, we're to be obedient believers. Not just believers, not just faith-based believers, but obedient believers. So what does God want? What does God want? He wants every single bit of me. He wants my undivided loyalty. He wants me to give him all of me, the undiluted control of my life. C.S. Lewis once wrote in an essay entitled Christian Apologetics that there's one thing Christianity could never be, Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance. But if true, of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. That's a mouthful. And we should all take that in and not forget it. If God and his kingdom and his plan are real things, then... We have to take them with the utmost seriousness and accept the reality that He wants us in our entirety. It's what God wants. You want to know what God wants out of you? He wants all of you, not part of you. Paul said in Romans 6:13: Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. One translation said, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given a new life and use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. I think most of us have this idea about God's kingdom. We, we say, I owe him a bit of time on Sunday morning, and a few minutes here and there to maybe read the bible or something like that and i owe him some of the dollars that are in my pocket and i owe him a certain level of behavioral loyalty but bottom line my life is my life and he gets a little piece of my life here and he'll get a little bit there and maybe another part of it over there Uh, we have religious tv we have secular tv we have sunday activities we have regular activities We have Christian music. We have secular music. And God gets these little bites of our pie. But the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. The Bible says no to all of that. God wants all of us. My whole being. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12, the Bible said, And now Israel... What doth the Lord thy God require of thee? What does the Lord require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That kind of puts the whole thing in a nutshell, doesn't it? This is what God We can have our spouses and our kids. We can love our jobs and live for our work. We can have hobbies and be fans of our favorite sports teams. We can have money and retirement accounts. It does my heart good. This is an honest statement. It does my heart good to hear that one of our church families has gone on a nice vacation to recharge their batteries. It does my heart even more good when they come home and sit on one of the first five rows at the church. These are all good things. There are things, perhaps some of them, created by God himself, but all of them, good as they are, need to be below the number one thing. It's like a a story from the old marriage manual titled Letters to Philip. It's written by Dr. Charlie Shedd. A guy named Peter drove home one night and found two women in his driveway. His wife whom he had seen and kissed goodbye just that morning, and his mother, who was visiting their house for the first time since the couple had gotten married, which had been months earlier. This young groom sized up the situation, parked the car, got out, walked past his mother, kissed his wife, and then came back and greeted his mom. First things first. A mom is a great blessing, but the wife comes first, and God is even higher. We all know that the first commandment says, don't have any other gods before me. God said that. Whatever is number one in your life is your God. We have to understand that. There's really no exceptions to that rule. Whatever is number one in your life that's who your God is. The wonderful thing is this. When we, make God, when we make God first in our life, he then makes all the other things fall into their right place and they become more of a blessing and more satisfying. And that is true. I think we can all identify with the temptation to plan for some real God years down the road know people that do this that have done it I think we can all identify with that we'll we'll give God some time later on when we're older what have you but for a young married couple they could say right now we've just gotten married we have kids to raise we want to get some money put away for their college education we want to get uh, to this certain platinum financial level so we think about these God years, which are down the road when we really put him first and invest some time and money and spiritual energy with him. I know people that have thought that way. We're not going to do it now. I've been told that. We're not going to be involved in anything right now. We've got other stuff to do, but later on in our later years, we will. And God says no to all of that. He says put me first and do it right now, not later, and just trust me. That's what he says. When you do it that way, it doesn't mean life is painless. It doesn't mean that there's no trouble or heartache or whatever. But there's just such a peace. There's just such a comfort knowing. You're in the will of God. You're in the hand of God. And you're doing your dead level best to do everything that God wants you to do. And you can go to bed every night with a clear conscience. Knowing that I'm I'm doing what God wants me to do. Maybe you remember the parable, I'm sure all of you will, in Luke chapter 14, where the king invites everybody to a black-tie banquet. Please come, he said. Everything's ready. But they all began to make excuses, the Bible said. They all had plans to be good to the king and to honor him. They all had plans to do that, but not right now. Uh, We'll do it some other time. But right now, oh, I've got to go check out this field. That I just bought and I, another one said I just bought some cows and I have to go test drive them that's what the person said I totally understand what that means but <clears throat> one said I just got a wife and I have to take care of her now all of these things are no doubt good things it's indicative of wealth it's indicative of work and it's indicative of family All God-given. I want everybody to understand that. All God-given. But all needing to be kept in second place when God invites us to a heavenly banquet. All of those things wait. And if you put those things in God's hands, they will be better off there than in yours. Another promise that comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, and this comes from the royal diaries of a man named Solomon who had lots of fields and lots of cows and lots of wives. He said, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So if we've been part-time Christians or church attendees, If we've had a big pie and just carved out a small piece for God today, it's a wonderful invitation for all of us to get priorities right. Give him all of us because that's what he wants. Not part, but all. So that's what God wants. Number two, the second question is what does it take? If you're here tonight and you kind of straddle the fence a little bit here and there and you've gone out into the world a little bit here and there and sin a little bit here and there. And, but you want to do this massive comeback and say, you know what, church is amazing right now and I'm gonna commit like I've never committed before. What does it take? What does it take to do that? Uh, as I look around the crowd here tonight, <clears throat> there, there's room for all of us to be better in this department I don't think anybody has arrived and if you feel like you have that should be a huge indicator that you really haven't because nobody arrives in the school of spirituality not until rapture or not until death so we want to give God everything we want to get the most out of our life we want to reach the spiritual potential God intends for us so what does it take well Everybody get ready for the proverbial ouch. Put your feet under the seat like they used to say years ago. What does it take? I I can't shout this loud enough, long enough, more emphatic enough, but it's just one word. It takes discipline. I'll be honest with all of you here tonight, and I'm the pastor, so this word shouldn't be an issue with me, but it is. There's just sometimes it's hard to stay disciplined and do what you know to do is right. It's always a battle, it's always a battle. I have never liked that word and I don't know that I ever will. For some of you here tonight, that word will take you back to piano lessons that you hated. I'm not looking at Noah. Looking at his mother, I don't want to play the piano, but honey, if you'll do it, you'll play in church. I don't want to play in church and just cry and cry. I thank God. I don't know if she was disciplined or if Sister Murph was disciplined, but somewhere along the line, there was discipline involved in it. My big issue with discipline as a kid was mandated haircuts. I'll never forget the haircut I got the day that I sprang my ankle for being undisciplined and disobeying my daddy who told me not to go play on some construction machinery and I did anyway and I jumped off and sprang my ankle and he got his belt after me and you know when you look back over those, those belt whippings, anybody ever had one besides me? You think after a while. Somebody held up the number, uh, that's a good memory right there, that was your son back there. Anyway, uh, I think my daddy's belts would have a conversation when they would hear my daddy say, go back there to your room boy I'm going to get my belt and they're all saying I hope he picks me. I hope he picks me and on that day my daddy came back there with his dress belt, it was stiff was very rarely worn and it hurt really bad. And somehow or another, that was also the day that it was mandated, couldn't wait, no, no deviation, none whatsoever. That was the day to get a haircut. So with my sprained ankle and another part of my anatomy hurting just as bad, I walked to the limp to the car and sat in that barber's chair and cried the entire time I was getting a haircut, discipline, hated that word. It also takes me back to a time in my life when you had that overbearing school teacher. I remember Mrs. Dyer when I was in the third grade and I had to use the restroom so bad I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to ask anymore. It was no, you can wait to recess. No, I can't wait to recess trust me and ended up getting the top of my hand slapped with a ruler and somehow I made it to recess (laughs) Um, discipline buddy it's tough you hear me discipline is there any young folks here tonight aware of that word in your house I'd like to see all of y'all's parents I know better I know better y'all have your way and do whatever you want to do anyway discipline if you want to know what it takes to do and to be what God wants you to be, the whole crux of it is discipline. Here's what the Bible tells us. Proverbs 10, 17. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuses reproof errs." One translation said, whoever practices discipline is on the way to life. In fact, doesn't the word Discipline and the, and, and the word disciple seem to have the same root in there somewhere and we all hate that word but let me make this point, many of you here tonight by show of hands has a college degree whether it's two years, four years, five years still working on one had a lot of people here with a college degree, okay. There's only one way in the world that some of you folks passed the required exams And I don't think any of you cheated. You went to class, you studied, you didn't sit around watching TV and movies and played video games, you passed up on social events and parties, why? Because you were disciplining yourself, you understood the concept of delayed gratification. I've had some of you say to me, pastor, I'd love to go do this and this and this, I've been told this, but I have to study for an exam. I'd love to participate in this up-and-coming event, but I have to be in class that day. I've had people tell me they had to be in class on Saturday. Like what college has class on Saturday? One good thing about COVID, it's online now and you can do it pretty much anytime you want to is what I understand. I'd love to meet you for lunch. I'd love to meet you for a burger and some fries or whatever, but I can't this week, I've got classes to study for and I have other responsibilities. All of us are accustomed to doing hard things now so that we can do fun things later. We have or at least had a few runners in this church who log many miles a week on hard pavement during the gloom of a very early morning. Why? So that they can experience the fulfillment Of being a marathon runner. And Brother Bunch said amen. It's being in that coveted inner circle. What is that bumper sticker you have on your windshield? 13.1 or whatever? That's a very coveted sticker to put on your car honestly. Now I could put one on mine and make everybody think. You know, whatever I want them to think. But uh, he earned his. The lesson is this. We all have the discipline to get the things that matter to us. We have favorite things we like to do, a half hour with the sports section or a favorite weekly magazine. We all seem disciplined enough to get to the dining room table, sometimes three times a day, 21 times a week, 1,092 times a year. I can't remember the last time I was so weak-willed I didn't make it to dinner usually by a weak will works in the opposite direction, especially when it comes to that roast that Sister Murph made last night. I'm amazed at how major league ball players can field grounders and and then make that throw over to first base. Have you ever seen some of these guys, gold glove, third baseman, have such a strong arm that they can just pause for a second? They set themselves and they pull a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of their pocket and eat it. And they drink a cold drink and then zip this bullet across the field, this line, drive over to first and get the runner out. Why is that throw perfect so many times? It's because with these people, discipline has become a habit. A habit has become a life and a lifestyle and 20 million plus dollars is the rest of the story. And if you are habitually faithful to your spouse, you are a faithful person. If you are habitually honest, you're an honest person. One of the things we all want to do is develop some exciting new spiritual habits. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 7 But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself unto godliness. It's discipline. Spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. What can we do as believers to also stay fit in the Lord's service? Here's a couple of things. One, the discipline of letting go. Anytime we add something new to our schedules, something else has to be dropped. And I've learned in our culture over the past number of years that when we add something new to our calendar, church is the first thing that goes. very rarely see days of vacation used as readily as missing a Sunday morning church service. That's a true statement. So most of us know the difficult choice of adding a new ministry objective only by dropping something else out of our busy schedules. As we try to make God number one, something else has to be sacrificed. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12, you y'all know the verse, Wherefore, seeing we're also campus, uh, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Two things here hold us back. Number one is weight. Number two is sin. Those two things keep us from being what God wants us to be in life. They limit our potential and they make our life a waste. Now we all know what sin is, it's breaking God's laws. And that's a deadly thing spiritually, yes it is. But what about a weight? A weight is something that's not really wrong, it's just extra, it's unnecessary. You may have an innocent hobby that is fun and exhilarating and beneficial, but at a certain time in your life, it's just one too many things bubbling over the top of your glass. One man had an interesting list. He said, wait can be all kinds of things. It could be a relationship. It could be an expectation. It could be an activity. It could be a club. It could be a memory you refuse to let go of. It could be a fear. It could be a job. And then he coins this expression, to grow, I must learn to say no. Some good things may have to go if we want to have room for God in our lives. And I, I, I'm presenting to you this Bible study only because I've experienced this with people as, as pastor. I know people that couldn't give up a, a sporting event, a, a, a sporting being on a team, uh, sacrificed church, sacrificed everything, the parents went along with it, et cetera, and now that person's not in church anymore. I know a person very, very well, very dearly. They said, I have to do this in my high school years. I have to do it. And they lost out with God in the process and hadn't come back to God since. It's been a number of years ago. So if we're going to be involved, if you're going to do some good things and you want to have room for God in your life, we, we want to spend time each day reading our Bibles. And if we're going to be involved in some form of a small group during the week or if we're going to memorize Bible verses, if we're going to be faithful on Sundays and Wednesdays, I have a specific request, you you drop something, you pick something bad and trivial, or if you have to, pick something good, something worthwhile, and put it on the shelf, maybe for the next few months, maybe forever. How, How much could you do for the kingdom by just canceling that one television rerun that you've already seen before? It says in Proverbs ten twenty seven, to reverence for the Lord. Reverence for the Lord, the wise man said, add, adds hours to the day. Have you ever had a day or a week where you stayed very busy but didn't get that much accomplished? I have. Many trivial things competed for your attentions all day long. What should I do? Where should I start? And sometimes you're just a, a kind of a bump on your way through a bunch of obligations and and. Figure as long as I stay busy and do useful things all day, every day, that's what counts. That's, well, that's sort of true. But on the other hand, there are times when you just don't want to stay busy and you want to do the most important thing first right now today. It says in Psalm 39, verse 6, that all our busy rushing ends in nothing. So this is one more element of what we call discipline. It's putting first things first. It's prioritizing. You all know the story of Mary and Martha, the double mint twins, if you will, who were both Jesus' good friends. When he came to visit one day, it's interesting that the New Revised Standard Version said that she, Martha, was distracted by her many tasks. Does that diagnosis ring a bell for anybody here tonight? We just have so many things going on, we can't clearly see which one's were important and in Luke 10 Martha is frazzled and fussy in the kitchen she came to Jesus and said Lord why don't you don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself tell her to help me and Jesus gave her this quiet soul searching answer Martha Martha you're worried and distracted by many things someone has suggested she had spiritual ADD she may have then Jesus says this Martha there is a need of only one thing And Mary has chosen the better part. Sometimes it comes down to choosing just one thing. This one thing I do, Paul said. Jesus says to Martha, if you have to choose between doing the dishes or spending an hour right now with me, especially because I'm here right now, there's no contest. That's a no-brainer. You can do the dishes anytime. And I've seen patterns this year where, even recently, where people do the other things, that's the priority, rather than being in church with their family and what have you. So here's a way to put all of this in perspective. If we live to be 80 years old, that comes to 29,200 days. Let's say you're going to live on this earth for 29,200 days. Does it make sense to spend however many of those days making sure the other 29,200 are spent in purposeful living? And considering God's children are going to live for all eternity, then a few days of prayerful reflection now seems like an even more brilliant investment. The good news is this, we all know the feeling of being weak, of failing, of making resolutions and failing to keep them Somebody said one time that Americans spend $600 million a year on exercise equipment, not counting what it costs to store it. But here as we commit ourselves to giving God all of us and being disciplined, laying aside something else so we can add these new elements, we can know God is going to help us. Here's one more Bible promise, Philippians 2.13, God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose God's always working in you to enable you to empower you to do his will and do his purpose so what does God want he wants all of us he wants 100 percent commitment what does it take discipline practice prioritizing just simply doing it so in conclusion tonight question number three is why should I do it why Why change my life and turn everything upside down? I could give you a hundred answers to that question and go through my own life testimony and my ups and downs and my eventual decision regarding being saved and called to ministry. But the answer here really is really in two words. It's two words long. Planning to talk to you about this this coming Sunday. The answer to why should I do it is the cross. Why should we do this? because of the cross, because Jesus deserves it, because Jesus gave his life so that we could live forever. We know that, we've heard it, and we've heard it said all of our lives, but at some point you have to act on it. If the Calvary story is true, then we owe Jesus that. So if you and I today were to be confronted by a person who sacrificed for us saved our lives, gave us an eternity of perfection and unparalleled joy, we would owe that person whatever we could give. We would owe them our life, our loyalty, our passion, our abilities, everything. And because of the cross, it is absolutely appropriate that we give God what he is, all of us. Second Corinthians 515 said he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again and Romans 12 1 brothers and sisters in view of all that we've just shared about God's compassion I encourage you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice dedicated to God and pleasing to him don't squander it Paul begs us over again in second Corinthians so it's my role as pastor to paint a picture for you of how good a decision this can be. I want to tell you today I I love the Christian message. I love being a child of God. I don't always live by the right priorities but I have them and I know they're true. I've seen it in my life and in the world around me and in the lives of people I hold very dear. When we make this lifelong decision to live a life that matches God's purpose for us, it will be an incredibly rich, satisfying, marvelous golden life because we're disciplined enough through to respond to calvary and to put god first and then the bible says if you do all these other things will be added unto you shall we stand i wanted to present this message tonight not to present it so much in a certainly not in a condemnatory way in any way shape or form and Maybe a little more of a convicting way because I have a feeling the the days and weeks ahead at Grace Church may call on some of us to step up a little bit more. There's so many areas we have a shortage of staff and we need people working in various places. Of course, we have the membership classes, the leadership classes, and that's not going away. But there's people, if you would step up and, and, and... and just say yes to the cross. Just look at the cross and say, sure, I'll do it. We're going to need your help. So I'm asking everybody to prayerfully consider what we presented here tonight. I'm not done with the subject. Uh, we'll come back to it again in the future. But I, I, I want to answer these questions. I want to answer it with my life, not with my head, not just with my heart, but what I manifest to do everything I can to move the kingdom forward. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight, love all of you deeply. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and service to the kingdom. God bless you, you're dismissed tonight. Men, remember men's prayer uh, Saturday morning. We'll send you a text and remind you of it. Uh, Otherwise, the rest, we'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you tonight.